I'd like to open the message today uh, with a scripture from 2 Corinthians, and I believe it really drives home our big idea for today. And so this is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, starting in verse 6. It says this, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a, cheerful, a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Verse 9, as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever, and this is it. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Let's pray as we begin. Jesus, we are grateful for today. We're so grateful that we can come here and we can worship you in this beautiful space with so much history and so much legacy, and yet we know and we believe and we trust that your best is still in front of us, that there are still more mountains to climb as a community. And so God, we're excited to be here, to dig into your scriptures today, to leave here today more like you. So God, we're grateful, open our eyes, soften our hearts, open our ears, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 Welcome back. So glad you're here. If you don't know me, I was just up on a 30-foot screen. No big deal. Um, my name is David. I'm one of your pastors. Really excited to be sharing. If, uh, if you're kind of new to church, um, we are in week three of six of a mini-series on the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter six. And in it, in the series, Our Father in Heaven, uh, we're taking a closer look at how and why Jesus instructs us to pray. To pray, which is really more than any other thing what God wants from us as his people. God wants us to pray. Ephesians chapter 6 says this, uh, backs this up, telling us that we should be praying in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. That we should stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. God wants us to pray. But why does God want us to pray? Why does prayer matter to God? Well, Again, I don't know where everyone's coming from here, but maybe this is news to you. Um, God wants us to pray because our God is not some absentee dad, lounging in the clouds, passively looking down, throwing the occasional earthquake or pandemic our way when he gets mad. This is not who God is. No, our, our God, Jesus says, is our father. And he is a good father, Ephesians 6, that wants to hear from us. And again, I, I don't know what kind of dad you had growing up, so for some of you, it was amazing. I have a great dad. For others of you, you might still be recovering from it. You'd rather not talk about it. But I need you to understand that your good father in heaven, he always has time for his kids. That your good father in heaven, he doesn't just have time, he makes time for his children. God is always available for you and for me because he loves us. He loves you, and he loves me. And let's just park there for a minute. Some good news for you today. God loves you. God loves you. The creator and sustainer of all things calls himself dad. And he adopted all who believe and confess Jesus as Lord. He adopted all who believe into his holy, eternal, forever family. 
And regardless of your past, your present, or your future, this God says there's nothing that can ever separate you from his love. It's family forever for all who believe. But with that promise of family that God gives you, there are just a few expectations. God says that more than anything, in response to his love, in response to his, in, in response to his adoption, he just wants you to represent the family. That's it. He just wants you to live within the house rules of his kingdom. Now, this doesn't mean that we all need to be clones with matching jumpsuits, right? Although I could get, I could get down with that every once in a while. But rather, it's just taking who God made you to be, who God made me to be, who God made all of us to be, and submitting it to his reign and his rule on earth. This is the expectation. It's living out the values of our Father in heaven and allowing his ways to become our ways. You know, in ways only we can. So that's pretty much all that God expects from you. I know that might be a shocker for some of you that have grown up in the church with more uh, specific laid out rules, but all God really expects is that you would submit to his house rules, that you'd live for his kingdom. That's what he expects from you, but here's what's cool. God also says that you can expect something from him as he expects something from you. He says that you can expect that his love for you is eternal. God says that you can expect that his grace for you was sufficient. God says that you can expect that he wants to use you for absolutely incredible things, that your life matters. And finally, you can expect that God promises to give you what you need. This is what you can expect as God's people, as the church children of the good father in heaven, which really is what this prayer in Matthew 6 is echoing. That when we pray, that when we pray, it would not come from a place of obligation or duty or as a means of getting what we think we need, but rather it would be an intentional return to the good father, an intentional return and reminder for what is true about God and us as it refocuses our actions back to his ways his values, and his kingdom. So this is why we pray. And all that said, let us pray. Let us pray together as Jesus instructs. There should be a card on everyone's chair. It'll also be on the screen. If you could just get that out, we're going to be reading the Lord's Prayer together today from Matthew chapter 6. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 11, give us this day, our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. Now, full confession, as we look at this verse today, I was just real, real, real excited to talk about this because I love bread. Like, just so into bread, especially when fall hits. 
I could just go after, I mean, if there's one thing that I had to eat from here to eternity, I'm just going to be real with you, it would be carbohydrates, specifically bread. I would love cinnamon bread. Anyone like cinnamon bread? Come on. I believe that raisins ruin it. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to get aggressive about this, but cinnamon bread, I love some sourdough bread. Give me that avocado toast, you know. I love banana bread and garlic bread. I love it all. I love it all. And so when I hear verse 11 that we're talking about bread, I got a little excited. But, but just full, closure, full disclosure, um, as good as bread is, there's actually more to this verse than how delicious bread is. There's more to this verse than just getting a piece of toast. And so what Jesus is getting at here in verse 11, it's the shortest of these. Verse 11, what he's really talking about today when he instructs us to pray for bread daily is that he's speaking about provision. He's speaking about provision. And there are a number of theological perspectives on this passage, but in the end, I truly believe that Jesus, his intention with this part of the prayer is quite simple, and it's that we would ask God daily for provision. That we would ask God daily that he would give us what we need. And not, not a week's worth, not a month's worth, not a year or a decade's worth, but every single day we would say, God, give me what I need. Give me my daily provision, my daily bread. Now, some of you might be thinking, man, that's so poetic. Beautiful, but not real convenient. I mean, I've got a refrigerator, right? I don't need it every day. It's kind of poetic, but it's not real efficient. I like to plan where things come from. I like to know what I have to work with next week so I can chart a course. I don't want to have to wonder if something's going to come in. I just want to know what I have so I can keep going. I want to prepare for my future. So God, this is the prayer. It's like, so God, if you could just, if you could give me um, ne next week's loaf today, that would be great. But instead, the prayer says daily. Why should it be daily? It's because God... If you're writing this down, God does not want to be your personal vending machine. God does not want to be your genie in a lamp to satisfy all your longings independent of him. Remember, he is not some absentee dad floating on the clouds, passively looking down on you. No, your God is a good dad and he wants to give you what you need, but he also wants to be wanted. He wants to be wanted because he loves you. God doesn't want you to be fully independent of him capable of fending for yourself. No way. No way. God wants you to be an eternally dependent child of heaven. He wants to claim you on his taxes forever, okay? He wants you to be eternally dependent and look like him every single day with grateful expectation for what you need. God wants to be your provision, your source and supply. He wants to be your daily bread. Now let me say it another way if that doesn't connect. God wants you to need him. God wants you to rely on him. God wants you to be near to him and to understand how desperate you are without him because he is so crazy in love with his kids. And he wants to be included in your life like any good dad. So when Jesus tells us to pray for daily bread, he's essentially saying, God, I love you and I need you. I am nothing without you. 
I am nothing without you, and I long to be interconnected with you as your kid. Please give me what you promised. Give me what you promised, the provision you know I need for today. Not what I think I need, but what you know I need for today, our daily bread. And this is God's heart for you, that you'd be near to him, that you'd count on him, that you'd be so dependent on him that there's no way you could leave him. This is the dream. In fact, we see this all throughout the scriptures, but specifically in one that Jesus is paralleling here in this scripture of uh, verse 11. He's actually referencing a passage all the way back in Exodus chapter 16. It's a story some of you might know, but if you don't, here are the basics. So um, God, who is God, created everything and it was good. And then humanity, in their desire for independence, broke that good world with their sin. And ever since God been working to make things right, his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the plan, this is the dream. And this plan started with a man named Abram, who God renames what, anybody? Abraham, awesome. And Abraham was the father of God's people on earth. And Abraham, father Abraham, had many sons, many sons had, you know, you know it. Okay, this is good. I feel like we should all do like the little marching around the room. Um, but one of those sons from Father Abraham was named Isaac, and Isaac had a kid named Jacob, and God renames Jacob Israel. Isn't that cool? That's where we get the name Israel. And so Israel has some kids. One of them is Joseph, and it connects them to Egypt. Now, eventually, Israel gets a bit too big for the Pharaoh, and Egypt gets nervous, and so they start to enslave Israel. Now, eventually, God, in his perfect timing, hears the cries of his people and sends a rescuer named Moses, you guys are so good at Bible trivia today. Can't wait to give you all the gold stars on your little chart. Okay, so Moses shows up and works with, uh, with God's power to free Israel, and now Moses takes them on a journey through the wilderness to, to crash course on Bible history right there. Now, along the way, God speaks to Moses, and this is Exodus 16. God speaks to Moses um, as they made their way, which ultimately took 40 years, and this is what God said to Moses as they made their way. He said, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Amen. Jesus, come on, let's go. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for, what does it say? For that day. In, that, in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Verse 15 jumps down. Moses tells them, Israel, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer, which is the equivalent of 2.3 liters, or if you're interested, 42.3 eggs. Interesting. So take an omer of bread for each person you have in your tent. So here's God. He just rescued his kids, who he literally loves to death, just rescued them from captivity in Egypt and decides to send them daily provision, daily bread as they make their way to the promised land. And what's so wild is the expectation God gave Israel was don't even try to store it. Don't even try to save it. This manna, it'll disappear by noon and it'll be rotten by tomorrow. And in it, what he's saying is you don't need to sustain yourself. You don't need to prepare for this. I've got you. 
I want to take care of you. I just brought you this far and I will finish what I started. I've got you. And if the daily bread, if the miracle of the carbs that kept them going to the promise, if that miracle wasn't enough, God says further in chapter 16, he says, oh, I'm also going to send you some protein. I'm going to send you some quail. Might as well make a sandwich, Moses, right? How incredible is that? Our father in heaven, the nutritionist, he gave them what they needed during the day as they walked and walked and wandered in the wilderness. He gave them the carbs they needed to sustain them to take another step. And then at night, he gave them the protein to grow strong so they could take it another day. And this happened every single day for 40 years. And this is the foundation for what we get in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God as he leads us to our promise. God will give you what you need. You don't need to take over. You don't need to try to step in and grab control from God to secure your destiny. If you're with Jesus, if you have a good father in heaven, all you have to do is ask. And okay, just quick caveat. I'm sure that we've all been in a situation where we didn't seem to get what we thought we needed. No doubt. Whether it was finances, it didn't come in. Whether it's health, sickness came, folks die, whatever. Literal food didn't come in. I think we've all been in a place of poverty. I'm sure there's been times for us where we've all been like, uh, wait a second, okay, just ask, but God didn't actually provide. God didn't give me what I need. Well, in response to this, I just have two quick things, and this is just in passing here. The first thing, when you look back and say, God didn't give me what I need, the first thing I need to ask you is, did you ask for it? Now, God already knows, but did you ask? Jesus says we don't have because we don't ask. So did you ask? And did you ask again? And second, I just want you to know that it's possible that God's ways are higher than yours. That God's thoughts are wider. That God knows the big picture in any given moment. But from a position of eternity, that promise that we've been given, that, that all things will work together for good, whether we see it play out in this life or not, I think it's possible that we don't see what God sees. So whether it's we didn't ask or we didn't see, the promise still remains the same and we need to ask. Tell God what you need. God is listening and he wants to be your daily provision. God wants to be your daily provision. Still in the story of Exodus, we see time and time again, Israel trying to take control back from God. Sounds familiar, I'm sure, for most of us. Whether it was going their own way, not following God's commands, not living out the house rules of, of heaven, or even complaining about the bread, the daily bread that was delivered fresh every morning, God's people have always had a bit of a hard time trusting that God will provide. And I think a lot of that comes down to what Pastor Manny calls the myth of scarcity. The myth of scarcity, it's this lingering belief that to be happy, and to live our best life, we need more. We always need more. 
more than what we have, just in case. And it's this myth that has been plaguing humanity since the garden when Adam and Eve, who literally had everything they could possibly need, still wanted more. Now, in the same way, we see Israel falling into these patterns, and if we're honest, I think we all do from time to time, too. I actually have this vivid memory. Um, I was telling the team earlier, this vivid memory from second grade. Um, I just want to let you know, I was a solid B student. I had a big heart, and I was a terrible runner, but we'll just leave that alone. Anyway, I remember it was a Friday, second grade at Webster Stanley Elementary before lunch, uh, when school milk came around. I don't know if they still do this. Do they still do this, like the little milk cartons for kids? Did anyone get a milk carton when you were at school? You know what I'm talking about. Do they still do that? All right. Praise the Lord. Provision. So I remember it was coming around, and I was fired up about this because I love chocolate milk. And so uh, I thought, wouldn't it be amazing? I had this, this idea, second grader. Wouldn't it be amazing? if I could have more? Wouldn't it be amazing if I, I had enough to be able to set one aside for Monday morning? Uh, and, and, and so I would get to school at the very beginning of Monday. I would open up my desk and, and I'd be like, whoa, I've got this cool milk carton here. Now what do I do with this? And so I, what I did is I, this idea, right? I traded one of those mechanical pencils. Do you remember these pencils where you could pull out the bottom piece, stick it in the top and push it down? Those were like gold for a second grader, okay? And so I traded my mechanical pencil for a second carton of milk and I stored it safely in my desk on a Friday. <laughs> and I left for the weekend. And I just want you to know, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, I couldn't think about anything other than rushing to school on Monday, <laughs> opening up my desk and saying, wow, look, I have a carton of milk. And then all my friends would come and rush around me and say, how did you get that carton of milk? And I would say, I don't know. I just, I just got it. And, and then I would open it up and I would take a big old drink. But I had no idea about the necessity of refrigeration. <laughs> and so I didn't know that milk didn't keep till the next day. And so my big old drink became a mouthful of sour, curdled milk. <laughs> like bad chocolate yogurt. But this, but listen, this is the myth, right? This is the myth. I wanted more. I wanted to secure my own provisions. And it happened in second grade, but I promise you, this metaphorical sour milk of my provision has happened time and time again through all my life. Where I didn't want to wait for someone to give me what I needed. I wanted to take things into my own hands. I wanted more stuff. I wanted more stuff stored away to be consumed at my choice on my own schedule so I didn't have to be dependent on anyone. I wonder if anyone here has a hard time depending on people. I wonder if anyone here has a hard time asking for help. The pursuit of more. Hmm. Well, listen, in response to my second grade confession, please don't hear me say that saving is wrong, because it's not, or having stuff is wrong, because it's not. Please don't hear me say that being a good steward of your things or being responsible with your uh, stuff and putting things away for a rainy day is bad, because it's not. The problem isn't the stuff. It's not the carton of milk. It's why you have the stuff. 
and why we hold on to it so tight. The problem is the myth of scarcity, which is really just the lie that God won't come through for you. That God isn't enough and his promise won't fulfill you and his grace won't cover you. So you work and you work to create a backup plan. You store things away so you don't need anyone other than you. Always looking out for number one. I wonder if anyone here has ever prioritized what you actually want most. Yes, everyone. We all have. It's honestly, it's the American dream. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of what makes us happy. But Jesus, he seems to believe that there is a better way. And this is Matthew 6, 11. Jesus says, instead of independence, he prays for interdependence. When Jesus prays, he doesn't pray uh, for, um, for more stuff. He, he prays for simplicity. Instead of more things, he prays for more meaning. Instead of you first or family first or your feelings first, Jesus has to pray for his kingdom to come first and his will to be done here and now on earth as it is in heaven and for his provision to carry us from here to the promise. This is the better way that's presented in the Lord's Prayer, but it's so absolutely counterculture, isn't it? It almost feels like a whole nother world. And so how can we make this shift from always looking out for number one to having a greater reliance on God for what we need? Well, there are three quick things I want to throw past you. There are two P's and a G. I tried to make it three P's, but it didn't work. Two P's and a G. Perspective, proximity, and generosity. Say that with me real quick. Perspective, proximity, and generosity. Starting with perspective. If you want to seek first and see first God's provision in your life, it all starts with perspective. And what I mean by that is acknowledging that everything, and I mean everything, comes from and belongs to God. Scripture says that, that the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but I'd venture to say with absolute confidence that God actually owns all the cattle on the entire world and every hill that belongs to the Lord. God owns all the animals and all the plants and the oceans and the rivers and the mountains and the highlands and the valleys and science and systems that hold it all together. Everything is the Lord's. Everything is the Lord's. You and me, we all exist at the pleasure of the king. Yes. There is nothing that is uniquely ours. Regardless of how we feel about our stuff, everything we own in this life is on loan from heaven. 2 Corinthians 9, which we read at the opening of the message, says this, that God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat it. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And at first, this might feel a little claustrophobic, like, wait a second, I worked hard for my stuff. I worked hard for what I have. There's no way I'm giving that away. But let me, let me say it another way. God, is so crazy invested in your life that he partnered with you in your provision. You worked hard, no doubt. You planted the seeds, but it is God who makes them grow. And this is the perspective we all need to acknowledge today, here and now, 
that if we want to say, give us this day our daily bread, if we want to trust God for what's next and mean it, then we need to say, God, you are God and we are not. Give us what we need. I trust you. You are the good father. Give me what I need. This is it from the very beginning perspective. Second, we need to embrace the proximity now available to us through the Holy Spirit. We need to embrace the proximity. James chapter four says that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. This is the promise. And so what it means is that we need to draw near to God. We need to draw near to God. We need to spend time with God. We need to exist in proximity to God long enough to see that he's actually trustworthy. So much of our, uh, our perspective, our opinion on God is just like this secondhand story. If you want to trust that God will give you what you need, you need to be in his presence. You need to see how he has always been faithful. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. Every song we opened our setup today, our service today, was all about God's faithfulness. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. You sing it better, but hey, I love you. We need to spend enough time with God to trust God, that he will give us what we need. Proximity is key. We need to trust that he'll come through like the good father he is. But what does that look like? Okay, a couple quick things. How can we exist intentionally in proximity to God? This should be really obvious. You're already killing the first one. Church, prayer, Bible. Church, prayer, Bible, starting with church. Wherever two or more are gathered, so also is the Lord. If you want to experience God's goodness and trust in his provision, come to church. That's it. That's the beginning. Be at church. Make it a priority to be here. And I know that life is busy. I know that it's really expensive to live in Los Angeles, and sometimes we have to work. I feel that. But you'll never come to see God's provision until you recognize your need for him. So get to church. It's good for you. Second, prayer, draw near to God in prayer. Talk to him, he wants to talk to you. And I know that sometimes we don't always know what to say, but say it inside, say it out loud, in a journal, whatever, in the car. Make time to pray. You've got a great template here, take it with you, put it in your Bible, leave it in your car, whatever you wanna do. Say it two or three times a day. Just start the conversation. God promises to listen, God promises to respond. So pray, and last, dig into the scriptures. So much of our faith and confidence comes from seeing how God was faithful before. And there's no better place to see God's provision than the scriptures. So open your Bibles and dive into the unbelievable goodness of our good Father in heaven. We need to exist in proximity to God if we want to be consistent in our asking for daily bread. That's number two. So perspective, proximity, here's the G. We need to lean into generosity. If we're to trust in God's provision, we need to be willing to give it away. And this might sound so wild. This might sound so wild, and to the world it might be, but God's economy works a bit different. We believe, when we believe that everything is God's, and there is no lack, and this good father gives and gives and gives and gives some more. When we believe this to be true, it changes our perspective, there it is, about our stuff. And it helps us see that again, everything is a gift. 
Just like Exodus chapter 16, where God gives to the promised land, everything we have been given will carry us, has been given to carry us into eternity. And yet we have to be responsible. And yes, we have to steward well. And yes, we need to work hard, but ultimately it comes down to recognizing that everything is God's anyway. And this God, he calls us to be generous. One more time from 2 Corinthians 9. I'm going to jump around a bit just for time. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. This is it. And God will generously provide all you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to what? Share with others. And this is it, verse 10. For, the God, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. I truly believe that God gives us what we need but God also gives us what we can handle. And so if you ask for daily bread, if you count on the provision in all things, I, with absolute faith, believe that he'll provide. And what we do with this provision determines what comes next. My dad always said, generosity is simply living with open hands. Yeah, there are times where some of your things will slip through your fingers. And there's other times where you'll approach someone and say, take a little off the top but it's with open hands, friends, that you're always ready to receive what God has for you next. If we live with closed fists, we might protect what we have. We might be able to secure what we have for another day, but we'll never be able to grab onto what God has for us next. God provides, God brings the increase. You just need to be ready and willing to receive it, trusting that God will give you what you need. So three things, two P's and a G. Perspective, that God is a good father of unlimited power and resource. Proximity, that we would see that God is always faithful to give us what we need. And three, generosity, that we would be generous with all we have so we might be ready to receive what's next. I truly believe that there are some of us in this room right now holding on to who we were so tightly that we're unable to receive the next miracle that God has for us. That we're unable to receive the next provision that will exceed anything we could think or dream or imagine. It's through perspective, proximity, and generosity. This is how we come to lean in to and trust the daily provision of God. God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, our daily provision. Matthew 6, verse 11. So, how encouraging is that? Isn't that amazing that God wants to take care of us? That God is a good father and he wants to carry us from here to, from here to heaven. What a, good, what a good news for us today, amen? Well, as we close today and we kind of roll this stuff around, the band, um, Becca and Taylor are going to come on up and lead us in the closing song. But as we do, we're actually going to have an opportunity to practice these things, 
to get today together of perspective, proximity, and generosity. We're able to practice perspective as we consider the words of this next song. We're going to be singing, It's Your Breath in Our Lungs, as we pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. Perspective will come through these words. Proximity, as we sing these words together, where two or more are gathered, allowing this perspective to sink deep into our hearts, knowing and believing that God is with us even now, waiting to draw near as we draw near in worship. Proximity. And finally, we get to practice our generosity. And, and you know, I never talk about money, um, but generosity is a huge part of the Christian life. It's a huge part of being the church. It's living with open hands to God's promises. And it's essential to live in, in uh, God's house rules. And so just encourage you, use this opportunity uh, to be generous. Be generous with one another. Think even now about taking someone to lunch after church. Be generous with your church. Be generous with all you have so you might be ready to receive what God has next. This is what we get to do in worship now. Perspective, proximity, generosity. Your God is a good father. He is a good father and he wants to give you what you need. So let us draw near. Let us draw near and pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We trust you. Hallowed be your name. God, we ask that your kingdom would come in this church, that your will would be done in our hearts, just like it is in heaven. God, we ask for your daily provision today that you'd open our eyes to your presence. God, that you lead us to trust you more. God, forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And God, lead us to eternity. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one because this is your kingdom and your power and your glory forever. So Jesus, we're grateful for today. We ask that you just continue to let these, these words, the scripture, sink into our hearts and minds, God. We know that the, the word of the Lord never returns void. And so we just cling to that promise today. God, we ask that you would just let these words continue to simmer in our hearts and minds throughout the week. Just our daily provision. God, we need you. We might think that we got this all together, but God, we really need you. And so we worship you now, God. We thank you for everything that you've given us. And we trust that the best is still to come. So it's in your name that we pray, in the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. Why don't we stand and sing this last song together?